All right, in honor of Father's Day, I have a couple dad jokes. All right? Uh, I love that. That is exactly what I want. People are like, ah, oh, that's what I want. That's what I want. That the, the more cringe, the better. I'm, I'm not discouraged whatsoever in the slightest. Okay. Um, I, accident, I accidentally drank some holy water with my laxative. I'm about to start a religious movement. It's good. What do you call a, a dead gopher? Just fur. It doesn't go anywhere. What was, what was Bruce Lee's dad's name? Apparently. Yeah, that's good, right? All right. What's the difference between a well-dressed man on a unicycle and a poorly dressed man on a bicycle? Attire. All right. I have a lot here. I won't do them all. I won't do them all. What do you call a Rastafarian dog? A Doberman. And I have a complimentary picture. A Doberman. Okay. All right. All right. I'll do one more. And then we'll go. The internet connection at my farm is really poor, so I moved it into the barn. Now I have a stable Wi-Fi. <laughs> All right. The more cringe, the better. So, okay. If you have your Bibles, uh, grab them, turn to Genesis chapter 37. We'll get there in a few minutes. Today we're going to begin a series that will actually continue over the course, a 10-part series that will continue over the course of the summer, with the exception of a couple breaks. We'll have a couple uh, guest speakers here in the middle, but over the course of the summer, 10-week series, um, I'm going to preach the first two messages of this series and the last four. For those of you that know this, um, not this weekend, uh, next weekend, uh, I'll be preaching up here. And then my wife and I are doing a little bit of a sabbatical this summer. And so, not because anything's wrong, but because we have an amazing board who's looking out for us. And they're like, hey, you've been in this for a while. Go take a little break. So this summer, we're going to take a few weeks. Um, and we don't know everything we're doing. But I do know one thing we're doing is we're going to spend two weeks in Maui. So that's going to be super good. And we've never been to uh, Hawaii, but uh, it's going to be great. So um, while I'm gone, uh, some of the other pastors at Sea Life Church are going to be filling in. But we're going to stick with this series um, over the summer, and they're going to be just filling in those, um, those other messages. Now, we're going to do something that actually I have never done before. I don't recommend doing this a lot, and I've never done this before, and it's not wrong to do this, but um, this particular series is not a Kurt Chamberlain original series. Um, it's actually a series um, that has blessed me uh, in the past, and when my wife and I were college pastors, we've actually, we've actually um, taught this series before to um, college students. Um, so in full disclosure, I don't want, you know, someone come back like, you got that from someone else. Yes, I did. Um, but the, the title of the series is called From Dream to Destiny, and it's a Pastor Robert Morris series, and um, super good series. Um, and he, I think he originally preached this in 2003, and it later became a book, and he's re-preached it and those kind of things. But in my own life, it's very practical. It's been a blessing uh, to me. And so we're going to do, there's 10, uh, 10 messages in this series. We'll do this over the course of the summer. And so for, for those of us 
who preach it and the pastors here that preach it will we'll use the bones of the, of the message, but then we'll supplement our own you know, stories and illustrations and then give, uh, I'm going to give each speaker the liberty, just as I'm going to take, to kind of ask the Holy Spirit to, how do you want to apply this to our church and, and let the Holy Spirit kind of lead there. Does that sound good? Okay. Um, all right, so... It also kind of helps us keep continuity in the pulpit, you know, while I'm gone. I know no one's preaching heresy, right? No. Okay. Not that they would, but they could. It's possible. All right. So, um, from dream to destiny. Here's the deal. Every person, we say this often here at this church, we say it all the time. Every person has a plan, purpose, and destiny from God, okay? Every person has a dream from God. And every person has a destiny from God. Maybe you're here and you don't know what that dream is yet. But I will say this, from the, from the foundations of the earth, God had a planned purpose and destiny for you. It is not as though God, you know, saw your parents and they were being intimate. And now the Lord's like, oh, they're about to make a baby. We better come up with a dream here real quick. We better come up with a destiny. No. Okay. From the foundations of the world, God knew that you would be brought into this world and bring you to fruition. And along with that came a destiny that God wants you to walk in. Here's the deal. Sadly, many people live in the dream instead of walking in the destiny. Um, I, I was Recently, I was uh, flying on an airplane, and I was talking to a person who wasn't a believer. And I'm like, you know, what are, what are your plans? What are your, you know, and they just went through this plan and goals for their life. And I was just thinking... There's nothing, nothing in this at all is, is lining up with God's plan for this purpose, or God's plan for this person. And uh, one thing I just said, I just want to encourage you, you know, God has a plan, purpose, and destiny for you. I don't know if you know that. God has a plan, purpose for you. You want to find out what that is, and you want to walk in it, you know. Um, but many people, number one, don't know that God has a destiny for them. Number two, if they do know it, for different reasons, many of us never step into that destiny for different reasons. That's what this series is about. We'll see here in a minute that God gave Joseph, um, he, God gave Joseph a dream at the age of 17 years. Uh, Joseph did not step into the fulfillment of that dream until he was 30 years old. He didn't fulfill it at the age of 30, but he began to step into it at the age of 30. So here, it, here's the deal. It took Joseph 13 years from the the conception of the dream, to begin walking in the fullness of the destiny. What you have in the middle is called a process. And we're all, all of us, maybe you're walking in the dream that God has for you right now, the destiny God has for you right now, but you're still in a process. Every, every person here is in a process. Uh, I don't care if you're 70 and retired or you're 17 and just figuring life out. You are in a, God has you in a season. God has you in a process. Okay. Um, God puts us in a process to prepare us for the promise. Okay, we're all in process. Um, let me give you a few examples from biblical characters. Oftentimes we read these biblical stories. And I'm like, wow, they're just they're so amazing. They arrived. Listen, they didn't really, many of them didn't arrive. Like God had them in a process to get them where they were going. Um, let me give you an example. I, I just mentioned this one, but God has a processing time. Joseph, 13 years from the, the dream to the destiny. Um, how many know that Moses... Before he was a deliverer of Israel, uh, Moses went into the desert. He fled Egypt because he prematurely tried to step into his destiny and messed it up, had to run from Egypt, and spent 40 years as a shepherd 
in the desert, okay? That was those, those 40 years God was preparing Moses to be a deliverer of Israel. Um, David, from the time David was anointed, from, the, uh, from that time until he became king, 15 years. And how many know that process was like grueling? God put him through a lot of things to prepare him to be a king. David wasn't ready to be king at the age of 15 or so when he was anointed. Um, but God worked in him and, and prepared him to be king. So 15 years process. Abraham, from the time God gave him the promise, you will be the father of many nations until he stepped into that promise. 25 years. That's a long time to wait. So you're never too old. And listen, you're never too young to begin the process. And you're never too old um, to graduate from the process. Moses was 80 when he became the deliverer of Israel. Abraham was 100 when he began to, well, when he stepped into the promise. Um, what the promise was fulfilled, I should say. Even the Lord Jesus himself went through some kind of a process. We see in, in, in the Gospels, when Jesus was 12, he went up to the temple, and he would ask questions and, and um, gave his parents some trouble, you know, because they, they, they lost track of him because he was hanging out at the temple. And um, it's, it says that Jesus submitted himself to his parents, and he grew in wisdom and stature, in, in favor with God and man, right? He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor. Jesus even endured a process. Now, you think about Jesus' life. It's 30, uh, 33 years, we think, about 33 years. And Jesus didn't step into his um, ministry, his public ministry, till about the age of 30. So really, God had been preparing him his whole life, but especially from the age of 12 to 30, for sure he was being prepared. So you have about 18 years in the Lord's life of being prepared for what God had for him. There was a time for that. I can say in my own life, um, I you know was growing up in high school, and there was I had many different ideas of what God you know what what I should do with my life. I was a Christian, I loved the Lord, very immature, made a lot of mistakes. Um, but I can honestly say the first time the seed was planted in my heart, the very first time the seed was planted in my heart to become a pastor, I was 17 years old, and then I became and I stepped into full time ministry when I was 27 years old. There was a 10 year process of God working in me and maturing me and getting me ready to be a pastor. Now, that's what we did for nine years. We were college pastors for nine years, and then we started, and that was the season of preparation for this season that we're in right now, okay? Um, God has us all in a process. Uh, so those waiting years, or, or I should say development years, are extremely important. They're crucial. And if we understand God's process and we understand the kind of things he wants to work in us, we can actually expedite the process a little bit, which is a good thing. You don't want to step into your destiny if you're not ready for it. I'm like, God, if I'm not ready for what you have for me, don't let me do it. Because we all see what happens when people step into something that they're not ready for. They fail, okay, or they mess up because they don't have the character to carry them. So um, Joseph had to pass these 10 tests. And we're going to go through these 10 tests. This is a 10-week ten, ten series. These are character tests. These are God developing character within Joseph. Many people fail to step into their destiny because they fail these character tests. See, here's the deal. Your giftings, how many know that you can impart and lay hands on people and release spiritual giftings over people? The Bible talks about this, right? We believe in impartation. Here's a church. To, to lay hands and, and, and impart spiritual giftings. How many know that your giftings, those grace gifts that God gives us, will open doors for us? Okay, those will open doors for us. But listen, 
what keeps us in the, in the, when those doors are open, what keeps those doors open is our character. And unfortunately, you can't lay hands on someone in part character. You can lay hands on them in part spiritual giftings. You can't lay hands on someone in part maturity and character. Those kind of things are developed as we walk with the Lord. Amen? Okay. So the first test that we're going to talk about today is called the pride test. Joseph had to pass the pride test to get from the dream that God gave him into his destiny. So we're going to start in Genesis uh, chapter 37. And we'll read up here till about verse 11. It says this, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, I love 17 because that, that was the age I was when, I, when, the, when the seed came into my mind of being a pastor. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks of his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Um, right away, um, you know, Jacob had four wives, 11, 12 sons, and a daughter. Um, right away, that's a recipe for maybe some problems, right? And, <laughs> I, I, what could go wrong, right? Uh, and he brought their father a bad report about them. So they're out tending the flocks, and Jacob is a tattletale. He brings a bad report about um, his, his brothers, or, or I should say his half-brothers, okay? Uh, verse 3. Now Israel, or Joseph, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. Okay, this is problem number two. What else could go wrong? Well, you have a favorite and everyone knows it, okay? <laughs> he made, and then he gives him a gift. And he made him an ornate robe, a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. It gets worse. Verse, verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So God gives him this dream, but it doesn't give him favor, right? They hate him even more for this dream that God gave him. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding uh, sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheave rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. <laughs> they already hate him. They're already jealous of him. And then he has this dream, and they're pretty, uh, apparently the brothers are pretty good dream interpreters. They get the, they get the interpretation <laughs> It's, printly, it's, it's fairly thinly veiled interpretation, but they, they didn't need to think about it. They get it right away. Verse 8, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. It was because of his dream and what he had said. Listen, not every dream that God gives you, you need to go telling everyone about. Okay. Some dreams are for you and God. Some dreams are for you and maybe a close group of people who love you and can speak into your lives. Amen? Okay. But Joseph's not a fast learner here. Okay. Verse 9. Then he had another dream, and he told his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Again, they're good dream interpreters. Verse 10. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. 
Okay, you can see here, Joseph's not the brightest young boy at this stage of the story. It's amazing what you see God doing through Joseph later on in the story. Again, Joseph was 30 years old when he began to fulfill this dream that he had. The dream was from God, and he began to walk in it uh, many years later. Joseph had to pass the pride test before he could step into his calling. And at this point in the story, Joseph is failing the pride test and the popularity test and a lot of other tests, okay? Okay, but here's what I want to say. God has a dream for you, okay? Point number one, God has a dream for you. Everyone needs to know this. The dream that Joseph had was from God. Joseph's bragging about it was not from God. There's a big distinction there, okay? But here's what I want to say. God's dream for you is better than your dream for you. God's dream for you is better than your dream for you. His destiny is better than your destiny. Um, now, how, how, how can you know God's dream for you? How can we know our God's dream for us? Because um, some of us don't know. Here's the answer. Get to know the dream giver and be faithful to him. That's how you can know God's dream for you. Get to know the dream giver and be faithful to him. Follow him. Walk after him. Uh, Numbers 12 6 and 8 says this, talking about Moses. um, When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions, and I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees from, uh, from the Lord. Okay, and then it also says in Exodus 33, the Lord would speak to Moses as one speaks to a friend face to face. Listen, Moses had a friendship with God. If you want to know the dream that God has given you, get to know and develop a friendship with the dream giver. I'll pull, I'll pull that into the new covenant because back in, in those days, I suppose not everyone, not everyone could be Moses and have this intimate personal friendship with the Lord. But today, John 15, 15, Jesus said this to his disciples, and this extends to us. He says, no longer do I call you servants, but I've called you friends. Or, why? Because I've revealed everything my father's, everything the Father has made known to me, I've made known to you. We're friends. Here's the deal. We, we're, we are all invited and have the opportunity to walk in friendship with Jesus. This is amazing. However, I want to say that just because that opportunity is available doesn't mean we all take that opportunity. It doesn't mean we all step into the fullness of that opportunity. Okay, <clears throat> but notice, Moses was a friend of God, and he was faithful to his calling. He was faithful in all of the Lord's house. Those are two things. Get to know the dream giver and be faithful to what he has called you to do. Now, it's important to know, again, that God's dream for us and our dream for us many times do not align and we want them to align. We, we want those, the desires that God, we want to have desires that God has given us. And not just to have our own desires. Um, just because you have a dream doesn't mean that's God's dream for you. Um, in fact, some of you have dreams that, I will say this, you know, they say, you know, like, follow your dreams in America. They're like, follow your dreams. Listen, maybe, I, I wouldn't say that's true in every single instance. Some of us have dreams that we need to lay down, okay? Some of us, uh, there's just certain dreams you have to lay down, okay? Here's the deal. God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory, but he doesn't necessarily provide all of our wants according to our riches and glory, okay? Um, let me give you an illustration. How many have kids? 
How many of you here have ever been a kid? Okay. We've all been a kid, right? So everyone should raise their hand. Here's what I've learned about kids. Kids are on a perpetual quest for candy, for sugar. Every single day, this is a conversation I have with my daughters. Every single day. Can I have some candy? Can I have some ice cream? How much candy? You have to quantify it, right? Um, Parents' job is to limit the amount of sugar that kids have. That's one of your jobs as a parent. If you didn't know that, please learn that very quickly. If you have a, just a random bowl of candy that sits out all the time at your house and kids can take from as much as they want, you're missing something here, okay? Kid, that's it. Okay. They have in the pharmaceutical company, in the pharmaceutical world, they have what's called controlled substances, right? They don't just give uh, morphine out. Why? Because it, it's too good, right? Oxy, oxycontin, oxycodone. They don't just give it to you because it feels too good and people will take it. Listen, same thing with kids and candy. Candy should be a controlled substance in the home, all right? Your job is to limit it, okay? This is what it's like with the Lord. The Lord knows that we as humans just really like certain things. And as a good father, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Um, As a good father, one of the things good fathers do is they use this word. It's called no. Not now, not yet, whatever, however you want to do it. Okay, that's one of the jobs of father, a good father, to say no. Okay, our heavenly father is the best father. Like every every father here who's a good father is a is a dim comparison to our heavenly father. And our heavenly father, he wouldn't be a good father if he gave us every single thing we've ever wanted. Right? Why? Because some of those things would destroy us. Okay. Um, It says in James, you have not because you ask not. So that's one of the reasons we don't have what, we, what, what uh, answers to prayer, because we're not praying. And then he says, you, um, you have not because you ask not. And then when you ask, you do not receive, because you're asking with impure motives. Okay, so God doesn't answer prayers that aren't good for us. He won't do that because he's a good father. Um, and even if your motives are good, how many know, like, for example, praying for your single person, you're praying for a spouse. That's not an evil motive. That's a good motive. But even if he knows your motives are good and you've locked in on one person, he still knows whether that person is the best one for you or not. How many of you here, and I can say this is true in my life and my wife's life, how many of you here, you're married to someone who's ideally sitting next to you, and you thought you would marry someone else? You can raise your hands. It's okay. Raise your hands. Yeah, it's fine. You thought, maybe, yeah, I thought... I locked in on that person. I thought I would marry someone else. Um, listen, and maybe you prayed, like, God, make that person, that's the one. And I'm praying for my husband. That's my husband. That's my wife, right? And God didn't answer that prayer. Why? Because sometimes he loves us. He knows what's best for us. Um, there's a Garth Brooks song called Unanswered Prayers. You guys ever heard it? And the line is like, and I thank God. He, he, him and his wife in the song, they run into one of his old flames, and he realizes that's the one I was praying for, but God didn't answer that prayer because he knew, he knew that he had something better for me. And the song goes, and I thank God for unanswered prayers. He says, because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Okay? Um, you don't know what's best for you. Your Heavenly Father knows what's best for you. And maybe you were setting out on a trajectory in life, and you found yourself where you're at now, but how many know Papa in Heaven knows best? And... You want him to lead your life, amen? 
Okay, but God has a dream for you. God has a dream for you. It's better than you think. It's better than your dream. Get to know the dream giver and be faithful to him, and you will find yourself walking in it. Okay, that's point number one. Point number two, when you get the dream, don't brag about it. Don't brag about the dream that God has given you. Okay, again, Joseph failed the pride test the first go-around. And I think with the Lord, he... uh, he never puts an F at the top of the page. He just puts redo at the top of the page. Okay, if you fail the pride test, guess what you get to do? You get to retake the pride test. And listen, if you've been in a hum- humiliating, humble situation over and over and over and over and over, you might be having to retake the pride test. And I just want to tell you, perhaps instead of failing it, you could try to pass it and you won't have to retake this test so much, Okay. <laughs> I've been in humble situations before in my life. It's not awesome to have to be humbled. And sometimes the Lord has to do it in our own lives. Amen. What do we need to do? We need to, one thing we need to do is we need to think before we speak. Think before we speak. There are different personality types. My personality type is I I like to really think through something before I say it. I don't always do that. Sometimes I just blab out. Um, there's people who think while they're talking, they're external processors, and they don't know how they feel about something until they say it, and then they're like, man, I didn't like that, and then that's how they're figuring things out. And then there's people who think after they talk. How many have ever done that? (laughs) I almost always regret something I said if I didn't think about it before I said it. I said it and then had to take it back later, okay? We need to think before we talk. We need, uh, don't brag about the dream that the Lord has given you. Um, I have an example of what it's like to be around people who brag about the dream. So I have a quick video. Go ahead and roll it. Why do people need to top other people? I've never understood it, and I see it all the time. Obviously, people get something out of it. At best, people wait for your lips to stop. Yeah, as soon as... Okay, yeah, you, me! You, me! You see the difference? You see, you see that? Now I do. What is it about the human condition people get something out of that? That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can beat anybody's story whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some me monster, is doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Let him have his moment. Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business all. I got my own global enterprise. I got to check on. You know, driving in the Autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich and I get this Swiss account that I want to check out. Mount Kilimanjaro expedition. Might have to cancel that. You know, runways in Aspen are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. You know, you're going to have that Pacific Rim company. We're going to try to take that over. Global enterprise. I walked on the moon. (laughs) Well, you have the floor, moonwalker. (laughs) You know, you mentioned driving on the Autobahn. That reminded me. Once I was driving in the sea of tranquility. (laughs) In my lunar rover. 
And I too was worried about our speed till I remembered why we're the only ones on the moon. How many like Brian Regan? Good, good stuff right there. Braggers are not fun to be around. Okay, many people always have to be the expert in the room. Always got to be the expert. Oftentimes people will say something like this. They'll say, you don't know what's in my heart. You know, don't judge someone's heart because you don't know what's in their heart. Well, listen, we do know what's in your heart. Do you know how we know what's in your heart? Because you talk about it. Look, Jesus, we know what's in your heart by what you say. Jesus said this, Matthew 12, 34, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I can tell you what's in your heart. You talk about it. Those of you who are vegan, we know that you're, we know what's in your heart. <laughs> because you tell everyone that you're vegan or vegetarian or whatever. A marathon runners, I've ran some marathons. See, I just talked about it. It's in my heart, right? Okay. You can tell, I can tell what's in your heart by what you say. You can tell what's in my heart by what I say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But here's the deal. Pride has to have a voice. Pride has to interrupt. Pride always has to be first. Okay, it's worth noting in the story of Joseph, the dream that Joseph had was not really the point of, of the dream or of, of the destiny. It was not the destiny of God to get Joseph's brothers to bow down to him. That wasn't the point. It was God's destiny that Joseph would save a multitude of people. If you don't know the story, we'll get there in a few weeks, but you can certainly read ahead Genesis 37 and just read on. You will see that Joseph became the second most powerful person in all of the world at that time, and God used him to deliver and save many people from a famine. That was the destiny, was to save a bunch of people. It wasn't necessarily to get his brothers to bow down to him. Okay, now here's the deal. Your dream, your dream, when you step into it, it might look like you having a little bit of influence. It might look like you having a little bit of money. It might look like you having a little bit of power. But the point is that God's probably setting you up to help a lot of people, save a lot of people, be used to bless a lot of other people. And in Joseph's case, this dream actually, yes, God was showing him bits and pieces of what was to come. But the the dream actually became the mechanism for God to weed out pride in Joseph's heart. So be careful if you get a dream, even from the Lord. It's possible that he could be using that dream to, to work in you some things that you don't have, some character things that you don't have. Okay, if you can't be humble with the dream, how can you walk in the destiny? So don't brag about the dream. Okay, point number three, we want to talk about how to deal with the root of pride. How many of you here have ever been prideful before? The rest of you are liars. Okay. <laughs> Lying's a problem for you. Okay. We've all dealt with pride. Okay. How many have dealt with pride more than once? Okay. I've dealt with pride for more than once. We all have the capacity. We're humans. We have the capacity for pride. Some have, you know, a greater capacity, greater capacity for pride than others. Um, some less, but we all have the capacity to do it. But listen, we've dealt with it more than once. Why? Because many times we haven't dealt with the, the we've dealt with the fruit of pride, but we haven't dealt with the root of pride. And I want to talk about the root of pride. You want to know what the root of pride is? The root of pride is insecurity. The root of pride is insecurity. Um, if pride is in your mouth, then insecurity is what's in your heart. And unfortunately, as we get promoted to new positions, um, new insecurities can rise to the surface. 
How do we combat insecurity? We must do this. We must put our confidence and our identity in the Lord Jesus, in Christ. Our identity must be in the Lord and not in, I do this, I do that, I do this, great. Okay, because if you aren't secure in who you are, listen, being around secure people is one of the, you want to be around secure people, don't you? Um, Dr. James Dobson wrote a book uh, many years ago called Love Must Be Tough. In that book, he talks about something called the laws of attraction. And in this book, he talks about that many times people in their worst state do the most unattractive things and actually push people away when there's troubles in the relationship. And he says, what, what is attractive? Attractive is cool, confident, in control. That's attractive. What is unattractive? Needy, clingy, insecure. That's what's unattractive. If you want to become more of an attractive person, cool, confident, in control, know, you who, you, know who you are. All right? How do we do that? As Christians... We know that our identity is in Christ and our confidence is in the Lord. And we know he loves us. It says this in Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your identity, our life is hidden in Christ with God. Um, We've got a lot of people trying, they're out in the world trying to find themselves. I'm on a journey of self-discovery. I'm trying to find myself, right? Um, Are you a Christian? I found you. I know where you are. You ready? Your life is hidden in Christ and God. You want security? You want to find yourself? Find it in Jesus. That's the real you. You want to find out who you were meant, always made to be, always created to be? Find it in Jesus. Find it in relationship with him. He will supply you with identity. He will supply you with security. He will apply, uh, supply you with everything you need, confidence that you need in him. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it's such a peculiar story. The devil said to Jesus, if you, if you are the son of God, it's such a weird story because Jesus knew who he was. The devil knew who he was, but here you have the devil asking this dumb question. If you are the son of God, and notice what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't get into this tit-for-tat with the devil. Uh, I am. I am the son of God. No, you're not. I am too. Am. Yes, sir. No, no, sir. Yes, sir. He didn't get into this tit-for-tat with the devil. Why? Because Jesus knew who he, who he was. Okay? If we know who we are in Christ Jesus, we won't fall for all of the enemy's tricks. The root of pride is insecurity. Another thing insecurity will make you do is it'll make you feel like you have to have all the right answers when you don't have the right answers. I'll give you an, an example of this. Well, here, I'll just say this. If you don't have the answer to someone's question, say, I don't know. It's okay to say you don't know. Um, there are a lot of situations, especially as a pastor, where you end up and you don't have the right answer. There's a death of a loved one. Someone has a miscarriage. You don't have the right, you don't have good answers for them. And oftentimes people get themselves in trouble by trying to give an answer that they don't have the right answer for. Um, let me let me give my wife and I have had a miscarriage, and if you have here, that's a, a really hard thing to go through. And if, if you know someone who's gone through miscarriage, let me tell you what not to say. Oh, uh, you'll have another one. Okay, don't say that one. Uh, I guess God needed another angel in heaven. Okay, don't say that one. Or maybe there was something wrong with the baby, and God knew that, so the God took the baby home. Okay, here's what you do. Someone has a miscarriage. Here's what you say. I'm so sorry to hear that. Is there anything you need? 
How can we be praying for you? How can we help you? Okay, you don't have to have all the right answers, especially when people are going through tragedies. Many times you don't have the right thing to say, just, I'm sorry. How can we help you? How can we be there for you? What do people do? Oftentimes people get in those situations, they don't know what to say. It's like quiet and awkward, and they just want to fill the space, and they shoot from the hip, and then they, they create problems by shooting from the hip, okay? If you don't know what to say, just say, I don't know. I'll pray for you, okay? Insecurity breeds all kinds of things, but if our confidence is in the Lord and our identity is in the Lord, we will walk securely, securely and it's attractive. Here's the deal. God has an amazing destiny for you, and I want to see you step in it. I have a vested interest as a pastor to see you step into the things that God has for you. But God cannot trust you with the destiny if you fail the pride test. God wants to trust you with big dreams, but we have to be bigger on the inside than the dream, okay, to carry the dream. I'll, I'll close with this. Some of you here, you, you feel like you've been in a holding pattern, maybe for years, okay? And, and that's sometimes part of God's process is, is that holding pattern. He's working things in us. But if you feel like you've been in a holding pattern for years and you can't get past a certain test, then maybe it's the pride test. Maybe you have to keep repeating this test and keep being humbled because you haven't passed the pride test. Um, I want to just pray for you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. And... Um, I want to see you walk in the fullness of what God has for you. Why don't you guys stand to your feet, and uh, we're, we're going to pray. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We thank you that you're a good father. You have good plans for our lives. God, you have better plans for us than any of us here can possibly imagine. And perhaps we've conceived uh, uh, ideas in our minds um, of what our life should look like, Lord. But we just submit our lives to you, Lord. And we just say, you're at the helm uh, you're at the wheel, Lord. Would you lead us? Would you direct us, Lord? And I just pray for the, the dreams of people's hearts. Maybe the, some of those dreams need laid down because they're not from you. And, but God, maybe there's people here who have a dream that you've given them and they need to pick that up. And they need to be faithful to it and they need to run with it, Lord. But I just pray for everyone here, Lord, that if pride is in their hearts, and, and certainly we all have the capacity for that, Lord, would you help us to walk humbly with you and securely with you, Lord Jesus? Your love for us should make us feel secure. Your, your commitment and your dedication to us should make us feel so secure in who we are in you, Lord. And so, God, I just bless your people with us today, and we thank you for this Father's Day. And we bless fathers, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.